Welcome to another Blue Jay Beat wrap-up show featuring WhiteAndBlueReview.com's Matt DeMoranis. Uh, good evening, Creighton fans. Um, this is Matt DeMoranis from White and Blue Review. Once again, sitting here with uh, Johnny Atala from the Omaha World Herald, just wasting time in the press room after Creighton's 116. You heard that right, 116 to 62 win over UFC Upstate, a team that, I mean, Creighton came in around a 30-point favorite, probably led by that for the most of the game, essentially, after one run, never even got closer than that, but, you know, it was a, I don't think, I don't think it's a team that we expected this type of beatdown against, like, you know, when you, when you see some of their results this year, I mean, they lost by 15 at Minnesota, um, to start the season, they have an 11 point loss against Georgia. Um, I think one of them, one of the games that's really out of hand is probably a game against Kansas State, but it wasn't this bad. Um, so, you know, while it's uh, a game against certainly an inferior opponent and not something that you can totally relate to going forward, it is an impressive performance from Creighton given how efficient they were even when they had the reserves in, don't you think? Man, if Creighton is committed to locking down defensively, making it tough on the opponent to take shots. I mean, essentially, Creighton was like, look, we're not going to give you open three-pointers. That's mm-hmm. what you want. There's half of their shots are three-pointers, so they said, no, nah, we're taking that away. And Upstate still shot them, and they missed them. Long rebounds, Creighton got them and, and was able to run. I mean, what did what did Upstate shoot? 29% in the first half, 4 of 17 from three-point range. I mean, just that's countless. They didn't turn the ball over very much. No. But, um against a team like Creighton that likes to run, a long rebound or even a missed shot of any sort is essentially – it can be a turnover. Right. It's if essentially a live ball turnover yeah, too. Cause. If you're not committed to getting back on defense. And um, we talked to Upstate's coach afterward. He, you know, they, they clearly talked about Creighton's ability to push tempo, but it's just another, it's another animal when you're on the court with that team. Um, and you're at an athletic disadvantage, don't have the quickness to match, and – just some disorganization, I think, from Upstate, and, and maybe just not a enough of a commitment to say, like, we are fully geared towards stopping Creighton's transition offense. And that was the difference. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd love to go back and look at our – I kind of wish I was charting it at the time, like how many seconds had transpired um, in the shot clock uh, by the time Creighton got up shots because it seemed like they were firing – Jumpers or getting layups or even some dunks at times. They also weren't missing either. I mean, they yeah, were, they, they made were just first, under seventy percent in the first half. Right, made their first seven shots. Yeah. I think it was sixteen of the first twenty-two from the floor. Mm-hmm. But they were all really high percentage and good looks, right. largely because of their pace. I mean, I think this is easily the worst defensive team they've played this year. Just it didn't see. It seemed like one or two passes was all it took to find to either create a good look or have somebody just completely wide open under the basket for some reason, lack of communication poor rotations, things like that. I mean, it wasn't that Creighton was lights out. It was that everything was really easy tonight. So there wasn't much opposition on the end of the floor. Well, when you looked at the numbers coming in, Upstate um, only averaged a couple blocks per game, wasn't good on the glass, um, wasn't good at protecting the rim. So they had to try to commit other, you know, try to swarm the ball and and prevent Creighton's drivers from getting into the lane and the Jays were just really unselfish, and like you said, it 
it didn't take much. I thought they were just they just looked disorganized, maybe just yeah. um, kind of stunned by the fact that Creighton was able to move so quickly. I mean, there were situations where it was two on two transition plays, and and Creighton still found an open shot. Um, one on one, Creighton got to the rim. Although you kind of expect that, but uh, given Creighton's edge and talent, but yeah, it was. It it started from the beginning of the game. Creighton clearly it, it's it's one of those things that if if Creighton's able to sort of settle into its style of play, it's going to be a, a nightmare for the other team mm, yeah. uh, to keep up with them. And so far, there's only been a couple teams that have been able to slow Creighton down, and those are the games that, um, or at least two of them that went down to the wire. And uh, and you know I think that more teams in the Big East, I'm sure they will, for one, they're more capable of, of slowing Crane down than Upstate was. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, like like you said, they, they just didn't have the, the firepower. Um, but... And it's almost like that's what they came in attempting to attempting to keep up by doing. They, they thought maybe their firepower could make it certainly not this ugly, but, you know, once it got out of hand, there was no... It was almost like they started out thinking they can get it going from the three-point line because yeah. they were really jacking up a lot of threes. I mean, that's what they do, but they were comfortable putting those shots up, and I think it really got started getting out of hand. At that point, they were just kind of in too deep of water, and they really couldn't, you know, find any traction. They ended up just drowning. So, um, you know, it, it's hard to, you know, single out statistics from, you know, an uh, individual standpoint. Uh, you know, everybody played. No one exceeded, you know, 22 minutes. Davion Mintz was the high for minutes total. So, you know, before Christmas break, you kind of get everybody into a game. You got to get everybody extended. They can kind of get a good performance under their belt and feel good going into the break. I mean, a shot of confidence for a lot of guys that haven't had yeah, a lot I'd of extended so. minutes, maybe. Yeah. Something that you can take away from this, I guess. That's one takeaway, I think. <clears throat> Man, I, I think it's something that either you asked about or maybe – Tyler Clement in the press conference reference just that to no maybe it was Mac. It's midnight, so my mind's like You're blurred. The togetherness of the team, okay. like that stuck out at times tonight. Um, guys rooting each other on, being oh, unselfish. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, celebrations it's, and things like that. Yeah, sure. um, okay. there was a. I think there's you one. You asked play. about that, so yeah. Okay, maybe yeah. I did. See, I don't even know. I will brag. That was like an hour ago, but <laughs> I apparently have blacked out since then. Uh, there was a play where Jordan Scurry pulled up from three, and you could hear Creighton's bench, like, got him, or yeah. you know, or just one of those sort of like. Um, Which is what it's like confidence. every day at practice. Everybody's wondering. Yeah. It's kind of like that. So. Yeah, it's it's, but you know, like that they're still engaged in the game. Yes, it's. A fifty-point game, and you got your starters laying on the ground doing the breaststroke. Marcus was swimming, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> but they, so the, yeah, yeah, they're having fun, but they're also encouraging right. their teammates, and um, it, it it goes the other way around too. I mean, we're talking to Tyler Clement about how loud the bench has been over the last couple games, shouting out defensive play calls, um, just encouraging. During the action, like yeah, and it sounds like, and you asked the question. I don't know if we were expecting this type of answer, but it sounds like, uh, I don't know if you caught onto it, and that's why you asked it or not. But that's been a point of emphasis recently. Yeah, was you know more vocal leadership from the bench, not just on the floor when guys are maybe 
you know, trying to catch their breath and not being as vocal as they should right. be defensively, but, you know, more encouragement, more focus from the guys that are on the bench, maybe not even playing. Um, and that's kind of what he alluded to. It just seems like this, I mean, we've, I think we've talked about this at times, but this group is, it, it fits really well together. It's yeah. good chemistry. Um, and so it's, it's not a surprise when you see 32 assists. That's a large number. It's a school record. But that's how they've been playing. That's how they played in the summer. That's how they played in, mm-hmm. in preseason. And that's how they played for much of the year, just doing all they can to create for others and celebrating each other's success and sort of buying everyone buying into that team first mentality. It's, it's just funny to see, um, you know, a, a guy like Marcus Foster, who's a score first, you know, volume shooter, he shoots the ball seven times and sure he gets 16 points. feels good about that. I'm sure. But like, uh, you know, there there are some players in the country who want to feel satisfied with a 16-point effort in right. a game when, when the team scored 116. Even like, if you're waxing somebody, you want yours. Yeah, you yeah. want it. Sort of, so I think that that sort of mentality, which is not unique to Marcus, I think a lot, I think everybody on the team has it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that bodes well for him down the road. And so that was one of the takeaways I had tonight because – Obviously, the blowout. Everyone's going to have fun for sure. Everyone's going to get to play, and they're going to have their moments. But um, just the level of engagement and um, sort of collective buy-in and attentiveness. To yeah. me, I think that was that was no, telling. You're, you're you're onto that too, and and Mac mentioned it, and and it's probably going to be. It probably feels. It probably feels like. A, a statement you'll dismiss, you know, when you hear a coach say that in a 54-point win. Yeah. You know what I mean? But look around. Like, the Maryland Eastern Shore team that we saw the other night that looked just horrendous at all things involving the basketball. You know, they go to Ames and they only lose by six yeah. in what had to be the worst game played in Division One college basketball. I mean, 55-49 involving, yeah. you know, that team. Mm-hmm. So, and then... Wofford wins at North Carolina, like, it's it's cliche and it's silly, like, because it's, you know, unlikely that those kind of upsets happen, but 116-62 against a team that you should beat is still a statement of some sorts that you were able to focus and lock in enough to be that dominant. Yeah. Because it's not guaranteed. You know, you see teams that lose focus and don't come in locked in. You know, Nebraska struggled with a team that they were a 10-point favorite against tonight. Um, like it's around the country. It's a, it's not it's not just well Creighton beat a team they should have beaten. No, they whipped this team pretty badly. They it's, handled business. They got out of there when they needed to. Like they didn't mess around. Isn't yeah? That's it, it's becoming sort of <coughs> part of the identity of this team. Its ability to prepare mm-hmm. and and follow through with their plan. I'm trying to remember when's the last time that they had a lull or just a uh, sort of a dud laid an egg to begin a game. Right. Like, I don't think this year they've had that, have no, they? I don't think so. I mean, the only um, game they've trailed at halftime was Nebraska, so maybe you could argue that game, although it was kind of back and forth in the opening moments, and then Nebraska was able to gain some separation. But right. I don't know. It just seems like to go, what are they, 12 games into the season and not have like a glaring sort of game where you are afterwards sort of scratching your head like why where was that team's focus tonight yeah exactly i mean they haven't had that yet um you know there's obviously plenty of season left for that type of situation to occur and i'm sure it will at some point because um just 
part of the it's, process. Yeah, it's part of, part part of a full of, season. With college basketball, you know, 18 to 22-year-olds. But um, so far they've found a way to alleviate that, and I think that their standard or their goal at least is to continue uh, having that be part of their identity and taking every game seriously. And when you do that, I think the trickle-down effect, um, you know, it – because it's from yeah. everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the scout team guys will be locked in at practice, um, making sure that they're giving the best looks possible to um, to the starters. And, you know, it's interesting from a scouting perspective that Creighton has on a daily basis. There's not necessarily, from a physicality standpoint, matchup-wise, they're not necessarily simulating what what uh, Creighton faces on a nightly basis and certainly not what they'll face in the Big East, especially with Jacob Everson out for a extended period of time now. Mm-hmm. You know, that's there's going to be, you know, a lack of physicality on the scout team, but the scout team is also something from just a mental standpoint and what Creighton is going to see as far as where bodies should be. They won't simulate what the bodies look like and feel like, but from where they're supposed to be positioning-wise – they're going to give Creighton the best look possible, the starters the best look possible. So they'll be prepared to go yeah, into those matches. And those guys on the scout team, um, a lot of them who played at the end of this game, and you could tell by the way they played, by the way, that they were, they're hungry and that they're yeah. committed to working hard. But that's how they work in practice too, mm-hmm. even though they know that, uh, you know, that if especially when they're playing an, an opponent that is high caliber, well, the chances of them getting into the game may not be very high, but they play hard in practice and give those guys good looks and they've been complimented a number of times by their teammates uh, for their ability to get them ready for games and maybe that's part of the reason why Creighton's been able to get off to good starts this year and uh, and been ready for some of the actions and, and plays that the opponent um, has kind of thrown their way. I mean it was a full contribution even if you take you know, even if you it didn't take Marcus Foster having to go for thirty or Kyrie Thomas having to, you know, have a triple double or lock somebody down and you look at, you know, Jordan Scurry, seven points, four rebounds, uh Tyler Clement a career high ten points, you know, Manny Suarez almost a double double with eight and nine, even blocked two shots. Um, didn't turn the ball over, you know. Ty, uh, Caleb Joseph comes off the bench, plays twenty one minutes or seventeen minutes, um, leads everybody in assists. Yeah. Only turns the ball over one time, finishes with eight assists. I mean, just to see him back and kind of continuing to take steps without having setbacks, I think, is a big thing for him. Um, you can see, for the first time in a while, he you know smiled a few times tonight on the court, which I think is, I think that's big for him because he's not. It didn't seem like he was worried when he's playing. It seemed like he kind of let loose a little bit, which is one of the things that it's probably hard for a guy like that to do, given what he's had to deal with physically, you know. To, can he trust himself to let it let it all go and play the way he normally can and go to you know 100 percent and not have to worry about tweaking something? So yeah. I think tonight was a big step for him. He threw a nice he threw a nice lob, threw an insane lob, <laughs> nice lob, probably a bad lob. But Tyler went and got it. Tyshawn went and got it. Yeah, like that that was that was a freakish. I would have, when he when he let it go when Caleb let it go. I was like, where where's he going yeah. with this? And then all of a sudden, uh, Tyshawn streaking along the baseline gets up and. Throws it down. That was a nice dunk. But yeah, I think there were a couple times when I thought Caleb could have pulled the trigger, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe he put the ball on the floor and either tried to create for others or um, forced the defense to collapse on him, and they got a bar, ball reversal on a better shot or, or a shot that's just as good. But I think for him too, seeing jumpers go in, it's a good thing. 
it's a good thing for a lot of guys, but uh, him in particular for sure. And I just think there's something different. Yeah, you know, I'm not ready to like throw a diff- certain accolades like special or team of destiny and all that stuff. Like that's that's that stuff needs to be proven. You can't just say that about a group that you like you can feel something, but you don't have any confidence in it. But I mean, we saw you know with that Creighton has had teams that have been experienced that have had fewer question marks than this group has had coming into the season. And they've had you know some ups and downs with teams like this that have had to. You know that have come in with big underdogs, and you know we saw them play. What was it, Akron Oral Roberts last year? I can't remember which one went down to the wire. Or Creighton had to. Or Roberts. Yeah, yeah, Creighton had to what shut them out for fifteen for five minutes down the stretch to yeah. win by one point. Like that was that was probably that that team last year. They're dud. Yeah. In the non-conference, this team didn't have one, but last year that was that Oral Roberts game was. Mm-hmm. And I think they also had a. Didn't they have a half against like Loyola Maryland last year where you were just like, "What is going on?" Mm-hmm. I guess like this it, team, was... the North Dakota game, may may stand out as the one. Um, yeah, and, and the it... start to that game was, although Creighton led by double digits, it's it's still. That was one where the defensive communication was definitely yeah, it was lacking. Not up to standard. And and they they I mean they left the game they they won by. Whatever it was, 37, 43, yeah. 43, yeah. 37 40, 43 points. 111, 68. Yeah. yeah. And they were frustrated and upset with themselves. So I think mm-hmm. that that was, like you pointed out after that game, that was a good sign. And um, I think that's the standard that they want to have. So they're in a good spot um, heading into Big East play. And, what did Toby describe it? Like a train? Yeah, he said, we're, we're heading into Big East play like a train. A train that's, that's, that's moving fast, I guess. Constantly. Yeah. No matter what. <laughs> Sometimes to his detriment. Um, if you go to the Nebraska game. But, uh, yeah, that's basically, you know, all you can pick apart from this game. Um, there are obviously larger threads that have kind of gone through. But, like like you've mentioned a few times already, this team was pretty consistent through non-conference play. I know they have one, one Bemidji State game left. But, I mean, 10-2 and two is... Probably a game or two ahead of what I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way they've done it, where they haven't really had a head-scratcher, you know, they've they, – because cause even in the two losses, like, they let it halftime at Gonzaga. I don't think I would have expected that. I You know, and Northwestern and UCLA aren't as good as maybe you thought those uh, games would be as far as what they help – how they've helped the RPI and things like that or how they haven't. Um, but I didn't expect them to look as good as they did at Northwestern. I didn't expect them to control the UCLA game the way they did. I mean, that's one of those games where it's like, can who's going to – who's like both teams want to run, who is more capable of yeah. doing it? And Creighton, you know, kept their foot on the gas and looked like they were in control of that one. They looked like they controlled the Baylor game for the most part. You know, they're just a few shots away from – and really it was just a few shots. Like, they didn't get bad looks. I don't think this team is a bad zone offense team. I think they've proven – that they're pretty, pretty, actually pretty darn good against the zone, yep. but you don't really want to play them against the zone the way they move the ball. Um, so yeah, ten and two, and the fact that the two were—I mean, one was a toss-up, and one I'm got out of hand in the second half. I mean, you're, yeah. it's even better than that almost. So yeah, as it turns out, Creighton's schedule actually is not—it wasn't as difficult as maybe no. we thought it was going in, and that's just—it's part of preseason projections. You don't. Yeah, I mean, it's not something that you put that schedule together. You probably thought going in. 
the benefit of hindsight right, right. now, it's it's it, you can pick because Yale hasn't been as good. Right. Um, obviously, Makai Mason still hasn't played. Um, mm-hmm. That's part of it. But UCLA, Northwestern, even Baylor. I, I I think there's a lot of questions with Baylor, and they've had an injury that Masson kid who hit was that the, big yeah, three, right? The, yeah. the who who was the X factor against Creighton. He's been out for a long time. Um, I think he got hurt the game after that. But um, so it may be not as tough as as I thought it would be. But like we said, I think that their their focus level has been there, and that's a good sign because it's going to take that. It's gonna, that it, this team needs it. it sort of has. It's like it has to be part of its DNA, or else um, you know it's going to get beat in yeah. in other ways. I mean, because right. they, especially when it's playing. Um, in the Big East against you know a team like St. John's or, uh, well, it's like or Marquette, how- if you're not completely locked in, then then you know, maybe one of those guards goes off against you and and you're stuck in a dogfight at the end of the game and and you know you're you're on the wrong end of a last second shot or something like that. Like it doesn't take much to shrink the gap between you and and the other teams in the league. And uh, if you're not engaged and not locked in, then maybe that's enough. And then, what, and then you know, when you break down, I think just off the top of my head, what they are in games where they have had moments where they, where you would say, okay, Creighton's probably uncomfortable right now. At Northwestern, at Gonzaga, the Baylor game in Kansas City, and then the Nebraska game here. I think with the four, I would probably single out as having significant stretches where Creighton was probably on their heels. Would you? Do you have any different? Would you say some of the, one of those doesn't belong, or no, no, all of them? I mean, okay, I think so. UCLA probably there. There were moments in that game when, even though they were in control, I think UCLA was pushing and okay. sort of like uh, trying to make a run. And I, maybe, maybe, I guess their backs necessarily weren't up against the wall. Creighton's weren't because they had the lead the entire time. Right. So. But the, but they that also could, had the lead against Northwestern. It's just a matter of well, how it shrunk. Yeah, but didn't Northwestern take it back? They I did think, for I think a couple, yeah. uh, one couple possessions. Right. Yeah. So okay, so if you take that five game stretch, Creighton's three and two out of that. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're still they. I guess they've proven to themselves at least in a small stretch that they can get results when they're uncomfortable. And I think that's the that's what's going to be the question going forward. How many of those? Uncomfortable games can they win where yeah. they aren't the front runners where the where the foot isn't on the gas all the time and you know the other team is just trying to catch up constantly. Um, that's I think that ultimately decides where they go, how successful they are because you know you've seen the ebbs and, the ebb and flow of Big East play when you have different matchups, um, teams that dictate different type of tempo. You know how does how comfortable is Creighton in that sort of situation? So so far I think. You know the five games we singled out. They're three and two in those. If you're above 500 in Big East play, you know if that's what, if that if that continues that trend, is that offensively tournament team? Probably, maybe bubble team at worst. You would think um, the way the league is kind of setting up right now. So I don't know how you feel anything but positive going forward, just from the outside looking in at this group, um, considering the way they're playing right now. Um, I guess you know. Obviously, we can. It's we have a lot of time to dissect it, but you know, just what are your quick take on what they will face right off the bat against Seton Hall, a team that obviously um, has a lot of skill, but 
I don't know. I don't love the way they're organized offensively. I don't think they have a true point guard, and that's kind of – I think that hurts them at times, especially, you know, late in games when you look at Rutgers, um, that collapse and things like that. I don't know. They have uh, some, do you, do you they have some good wins, though. They do. I mean, Texas Tech is a good win. Mm-hmm. Louisville is a pretty good win, I think. Um, what, the two losses, Rhode Island and Rutgers. Did they beat someone else in all? I thought they beat somebody else. Um, but, yeah, you're probably um, right. beat – You know – how do I feel? I, I just think it's a tough matchup for Creighton because they have the physicality and and they'll get up at multiple go- positions too. Yeah, and they'll yeah. get up and guard and just try to muck the game up and make force you to grind it out. And um, while they are, they appear to be a little disjointed offensively, at least from when I've seen them play. Small snip snippets, not a whole bunch of seen Hall. I haven't seen a lot, but. Um, when they're playing at home and they have uh, they have the crowd sort of at their you know on their side and they've kind of got their mojo flowing, I think it's going to be tough for Creighton to knock them off. But um, I don't know. It, it's it's one of those. I feel like it's one of those games though that will be pretty telling how Creighton handles itself. In, in that in that setting and it, like it's kind of like what we've just been talking about about being uncomfortable and having to find ways to win even though you're not playing sort of the style or um, in the manner that you would prefer mm-hmm. and maybe doing some things a little bit unconventional or things that maybe aren't as don't come as natural to you uh, as a team and and you know what the thing about Seton Hall is too is they don't they're not afraid to push it but they're really physical defensively yeah so it's like you think in a game like that you'll find moments where things come easy. But when you're playing Seton Hall, things never come easy offensively. But they are able to capitalize. On when your, they, when they get mistakes. stops, they yeah. run it down. They, they'll run yeah. it at you, and they'll, they'll get easy buckets out of that. Um, so it can get downhill in a hurry against a group like that. Because but I also think, too, at least from what I've seen from Seton Hall, and this, is, this group is the same group that was yeah. there last year, is if you can – and Creighton was, like, this close to doing it at Seton Hall last mm-hmm. year. But if you can bury them or sort of create a gap, sort of answer their, you know, they're, they're making a statement, hey, we want to we wanna kind of get in here and battle. Like, we want um, we, to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shove you or, or push you. I'm, like, this is, this is going to be a dogfight. Mm-hmm. But if you can sort of counterpunch that. Yeah. And if you push back. Right. Um, they maybe, you can, maybe you can bear responded right. well to that, yeah. Maybe you can bear him. Yeah. Um, they were close last year to doing that. Mm-hmm. Creighton was at, at Seton Hall. I think they were up seven or eight, but they just couldn't close and gave up a lot of offensive rebounds down the stretch. Yeah, they got out of hand in, that, in the rebound. I think it was one of the most lopsided rebounding games of the season for Creighton. Kyrie Thomas getting in foul trouble was obviously one of the big yeah. – um, sort of storylines to that game as well because uh, then Carrington went off and just got fouled a lot. He did. He shot a ton of free throws. Fouled. Fouled a lot. <laughs> Air quotes. Uh, yeah, from a matchup standpoint individually, you know, Angel Delgado has been the guy that um, Creighton really game plans heavy for. But this year, I, honestly, Desi. I think they match up oh. better. Yes. I think they match up better with Delgado this year just because of how they how well they rebound as a group. Um, now, I know that's 
against that's against not Angel Delgado guys without Angel Delgado on their team, but you know he's been the gold standard as far as controlling the backboards in this league. Um, so it is an interesting. It'll be an interesting barometer for how well Ronnie and Martin have, and you know, and Toby and the gang and mentality have been on the glass. But I, st- I think, like you said, I think Desi Rodriguez is the matchup nightmare. They, and they Creighton has absolutely no answer for. Her. Remember, like last year, I don't think. I mean, especially here in Omaha, he went off. Yes, and they were just kind of like. And well, Carrington didn't. Yeah, that was like kind of the in difference. Omaha. They were just kind of like, well, that's we kind of had to live with that because mm-hmm. committing so many. So much effort and energy to slowing down Carrington and Delgado that if Desi hits some shots, okay. But he's kind of elevated in his game this year to mm-hmm. where you can't really live with that. You have to try to take it away. So, um, how does that impact the game plan? I don't know. Hey, I want to ask you what uh, what's your what's your top five in the Big East right now? Oh, interesting question. It's definitely different than one that was at the start of the season. Thank you, Providence. Um, yeah, Villanova's clearly number one in my opinion. Um, probably even going to get better as the year goes on. If that's as scary as that sounds, it's uh, very scary. Yeah, I think Xavier via their quality wins. Um, although lately they've had some interesting performances that you know probably would have been losses had they not had the home crowd advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll put them in number two just on body of work, even though I don't necessarily love their. Their 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 makeup. As well, so their group. best wins have actually come at home, right? Yes, yes. So they beat Baylor and Cincinnati at home, and then, uh, well, they did go to Wisconsin, but then again, a lot of people have beaten Wisconsin this year. So, mm-hmm. um, they're they, they're a team that's going to have one of those stretches where they absolutely struggle. I think they're going to do it again this year, they have, where they have where yeah. they have a stretch where they'll lose like four or five, and all the questions start right. flying at them again. So they still have that inside of their DNA, I think, where it's just not consistent. But for now, I have them two. Um, Seton Hall is three. I have Creighton four, and probably St. John's five. Yeah, I think that's my same five. But what I I don't know if disappointment is the right word, but maybe a little bit surprising to me is that the gap between Villanova and the rest is just as large as it's been (laughs) over the last few years. Because what were we talking about in the preseason that we weren't? I mean, I at least wasn't. I was at least thinking about not putting Villanova one to start out. Yeah, I thought that would about have been a well. massive mistake. Right, right. So. I thought about it, but um, I was I was pretty convinced that uh, Xavier, Seton Hall, Providence, that trio of teams, had improved or taken that step forward. Mostly just because they were bringing back so many guys, and you figured they'd all get better. Mm-hmm. And you got good coaches that lead that group, so they would um, find yeah. ways to maximize the talent. They haven't performed like that. Maybe they can get there. Maybe they can find that next gear in, in Big East play, but they haven't shown it, and Nova has. Nova is just as good as it has been over they the last like few years. They look like a national title contender right? legitimately. I mean, I mean honestly, just... they look they look deeper than last year yep. and uh, more athletic, yeah. more versatile, um, and more Wait, explosive. Yes. More explosive. Oh, they, they, they are... Um, they are once again the favorites. And they're, a it's fun, be. they're a fun team to watch when you just forget for the fact that forget the fact that Creighton's gonna have to deal with them twice at Dude, least. Villanova is my like, fa- they are just so fun to watch. Villanova is my favorite team in basketball to watch. They were my favorite team the last two seasons to watch. Okay, they they're just so fundamentally sound. They do everything right, um, and yeah, that you know I think I think I think Coach Max said. Something along the lines of they 
this might have been after they won their national title is just like they uh from a fundamental standpoint they are they they follow no, exactly how he said it. I think basically they they execute the fundamentals as well as anyone, mm-hmm. and then you add on the on top of that that they're extremely talented. Yes. So, the fact that they are talented basketball players that are fundamentally sound is a it's a rare combination because usually is. you try to skate by on talent and let some of the some of the other you're stuff okay. slide. Yeah, you're yeah, okay with you can make up for right. it by you know a chase down block or a real quick stretch where you put a ten run yeah. on a team and make a difference, but. No, they'll bury you with the fundamentals, yeah. and then it won't you won't catch up because they won't beat themselves. So I mean, you just look, and, th- and their poise is another thing that I think is just it, cu- it jumps off the screen at you when you look at a moment where a team punches back, and you're like, oh no, Villanova's on the ropes here. All of a sudden, Brunson bang, Divincenzo bang. It's like twenty-one to two. It's, it, yeah. They just hit you yeah. so hard right back, and you're like, Jesus, what do yeah. I have to do to kill this team? So it, it's. They're 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 the clear best team in the league through this stretch of basketball we've seen so far. I don't see that changing um, based on what the rest of the group has done. Um, so I think it's a I think it's a battle for second. I think second place is wide open. I, I do really, too. I really yeah. do. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if any of you know five or six teams end up there. I really wouldn't. Um, even as Poorly as Providence is playing right now, I can't help but look at that roster, see how much experience they have, and go, "What is wrong with you? You're better than this." Well, um, ha- haven't they finished in like the top four, of the Big East, yeah. the last four years or something like that? Yeah. Since the very consistent program, yeah, with a lot of experience back. So what is happening right now? You know, yeah, I don't get it. Doesn't it. make sense. You know, so in Ed Cooley, I trust is still my motto, I guess. But <laughs> it, I, I, I make it a point to watch them. A lot because um, they are one of my favorite teams to watch in this league, but it has been hard to watch them lately because yeah. they have not played well. Well, and that's the other thing that's interesting too, and partly because Creighton has—I mean, its style of play maybe uh, can mask some deficiencies at times, especially when they're playing against teams that they're better than, mm-hmm. uh, more talented than. But um, the way that Creighton's played over the last month or so, now that a lot of these games have been at home, but. Um, they look like they found a groove mm-hmm. at just the right time. They look like they found a groove, whereas other teams in the league, Seton Hall just lost to Rutgers. Xavier struggled um, with some lesser opponents. Uh, Providence is a mess. You know, St. John's, they're missing Marcus Levette. Although I do think that they seem to have found themselves a little bit too and, yeah. and settled into an identity, but they're still not at full strength. Whereas Creighton, Creighton seems like it's, it's, uh, it's reaching... Or it's it's on the upswing. So you know, I, I guess you, are you saying you know what you can count on from them maybe on a basis? I think so. More than most. Yeah, they've okay. shown a little bit more consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that means that their ceiling's not as high. I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, right. That that's uh, well, how much better do you do those pieces get? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, and yeah. and some of these other teams uh, have shown that they can. Uh, maybe there's a lot more room for them to climb, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think. Uh, Biggie's play is always tough, but Creighton's got a nice start. The, the way that the schedule lays yeah, at, that's out. that's what I was just... At Seton Hall, Providence, St. John's at home, at Georgetown, Butler at home. I mean, you're 4-1. That's that's sort of where the expectation needs to be. I think so. 4-1. and one. 
And if you're five and zero, oh, then you've you've kind of you made stole a, one. you stole one, and you've made a statement. Mm-hmm. I think not to you, not just to yourself, but to the rest of the league that, um, you know, that you you are indeed a contender. So and you know, especially when you look at this stretch, this first stretch. So you mentioned Seton Hall, Providence, St. John's, Georgetown, Butler. Three of those games at home. So if, like you mentioned, they make the statement. Let's just the statement is five and zero, oh, right? So they make the statement. Then they're at Xavier. Then they get Seton Hall again at home for the, you know, what would be going for the season sweep. If you put Seton Hall in your rearview mirror, tiebreaker-wise, before you even hit the halfway point of conference play, that's got to be huge. Because regardless of how many teams I think can fit in the second spot, I think Seton Hall is an upper half of the league team. So if Creighton puts that series, if they put that one in the column where that's a tiebreaker we have over that group, you know, you're talking about seeding for Big East play. You're talking about skipping... Wednesday or Thursday night in at in New York, yeah, um, huge plus two quality wins, non conference wise, um, or resume RPI. wise for or, uh, RPI. Right, yeah, you know resume I mean? right. so, yeah, a stretch that's not terribly difficult, but also one that has opportunities to make, as you said, statements, statements, um, but nothing's a given. No. I mean those teams that we just mentioned, see yeah, all Providence has beaten Creighton in Omaha plenty of times. Yeah, yeah. It, but all those teams um they struggled at Georgetown. Yeah, they even though at, I don't right. think that's, you know. But but those teams are capable and they and when you look at the teams that they played in the non-conference, you know, they that's as good of a run as they would, you know, the Northwestern UCLA Baylor take out SIUE Gonzaga run, you yeah. know, that that's a that's equal to that. Um, uh, maybe, maybe not as uh, as uh, th- that. Maybe you don't have the Gonzaga in that in that group, but you're gonna have to play well night in and night out and be ready to go. Um, because if you're not, if Creighton's not operating at a, at the at its highest level, then it could get beat by yeah. those teams. I mean, even uh, if you think about just that first couples, that first stretch, I would put Georgetown. And I would put Butler at home in categories that are, I would say those are wins. That Creighton could probably not, that A game probably doesn't necessarily need to happen for a W to happen there. But if they don't play well against St. John's and Providence and Seton Hall, I don't think those are games they'll win, yeah. period. Like, I think they have to be, you know, attention to detail has to be there. They have to be efficient offensively. They have to, you know, be able to put runs together. I think those are three games from a matchup standpoint that they can drop, you know, as far as if you're talking about this, the floor versus the ceiling yeah. in this first five-game stretch, um, there's only a couple where you're like, Creighton could probably survive. Creighton could probably be the comfortable favorite in that one, and you could feel good about the matchup going yeah. in. So what are your Christmas plans? Going home? Christmas plans, going back to Indiana. Nice. And uh, I will return... I will return <laughs> on Christmas Day. A heroic return, Christmas Day. Yeah, okay. back to Omaha on Christmas Day, and then get ready for that Big East grind. The two games the trip to New Jersey. Yeah, two <laughs> games a week until the middle of March. Yeah, enjoy. Yeah, well, enjoy your time off. Um, savor it because, as you mentioned, the grind is coming. Yes, going to non cities you don't really want to be in. Newark's the only one. The newer is the only one? Yeah. The rest are... The rest are okay? The rest are very... They're, 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 they're fine. They're fine? They're just fine? Yeah. What's your favorite trip in the Big East? I know you've only done it once. It's probably not fair to say. I know. I'm... Non-Madison Square Garden trip. Yeah. Like, I mean, St. John's was the most fun 
environment for me. Okay, as a as a just non biased observer because of the is the game at Carnesecca this year, Rob? Yeah, I, I think so. Is it? It's it at St. John's Carnesecca or is it MSG? The game at St. John's this year. Carnesecca. It's at Carnesecca. Okay, so you're going back to the the on campus arena. Yeah. Um. So I that that was a fun trip. I went, that was St. John's Providence back to back. So I stayed okay. out on the East Coast and got snowed in in Boston and had to stay in Boston for an extra day. Did you get a sense of being part of a organized crime film when you were at, <laughs> at in Providence? Providence? Yeah. Someone told me about the uh, the podcast Crime or was a Crime Town. I think that's yeah. the name of it. Yeah. And I hadn't heard of it, and so then I listened to four episodes while sitting like in my hotel room, uh-huh. uh, getting ready and. and while I was working and it was like kind of one of those eerie feelings where you're like I gotta get out of here man <laughs> you all of a sudden start walking around safe. and then you're yeah. like yep 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 that all feels like that's what I just yeah. it was there was a crazy snowstorm there that yeah on that trip and it I think lessened the amount of fans in the arena a little bit but so I don't think I got the true Providence taste uh, or the the true feel for what it's what it's like at, at that arena but mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I enjoy I, I enjoy most trips. Newark was okay. something else, though. <laughs> yeah, I've heard I've heard Newark is not the fun trip. So well, it's just interesting so to you'll walk. get that all the way first. At least. It's interesting to walk around Newark because part of you are, you're so close. You know? Yeah, you're thinking it's going to have sort of a New York vibe, and it right. it it does it not. Does not at all. There's a lot of people. <laughs> yep, but it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not a place you really want to be hanging out much. Understood. Well, you know, have a safe trip back home. Enjoy the family. Enjoy your time off. And uh, have a Merry Christmas. And then until we see you again, until we talk again, it'll be December 31st against Providence. We'll be back on here dissecting <coughs> Creighton's first two, um, first two Big East Conference games. Hopefully we can get some dollar beer leftovers in the press room that, yeah. that day. Yeah, we need we need like a cooler in here or something. Maybe <laughs> just to stash a few away. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. Help out with that one. No. Um, but yeah, we'll be back December 31st to dissect the Providence game and um, preview St. John's. Um, until then, thanks for listening. Uh, everybody have a Merry Christmas out there. And if you haven't, um, or if you don't know where to find our work, uh, first of all, buy a newspaper. Subscribe to the Omaha World Herald. Read John's work at Omaha.com. Um, you blog on your Facebook page as well. Every now and then I'll throw stuff on Facebook. Yeah. Good stuff all around, no matter where it's coming from. Follow him on Twitter. Um, and then check out uh, our work at whiteandbluereview.com as well. Um, until December 31st, have a Merry Christmas, everyone.